This is the Morning Sports Desk for Tuesday, July 18th. Here it is. Check swing gets away from Jeffers, and the run's going to score. A breaking ball that Ford took. It was ball four, but Jeffers could not corral it. 5-3 Seattle. Yeah, uh, not a great look for the Minnesota Twins last night. They had an early 2-0 lead, and then Sonny Gray had a meltdown in the fifth inning, giving up four runs, and then you just heard the call from Dan Gladden there. They got an extra insurance run to get a 5-2 lead, and the Twins would try and chip away at this game. Joey Gallo would hit a solo home run to make it 5-3, and then we are to make it 4-3 at the time. Then the Mariners got the run, made it 5-3, and, uh, and a two-run home run by Seattle an inning later would make it 7-3. Max Kepler did hit a three-run home run in the top of the ninth to make things interesting, but the Twins do lose 7-6 in game one of a four-game series in Seattle last night. Hey, Rocco Baldelli, what did you think of Sonny Gray in this start? He was exceptionally sharp early in the game. I mean, you couldn't have been uh, you know, any more crisp than he was. He had all of his stuff working. Uh, I think the um, as the game went on, as the innings that you're referencing, the breaking balls, there were there were more breaking balls that just started as balls, I think, and ended as balls. And you know they weren't uh, uh, they weren't in that that area where the hitters are you know looking for the ball. And I think that you know it was he didn't have the feel for those breaking balls that he that he usually has. And that's what I think led to uh, you know what we watched in, in the last couple of innings. Yeah, so Sonny Gray in his start, uh, like Rocco said, was really crisp to begin things. He got through the first four innings on like 40 pitches. He was grooving, and the fifth inning has been the thing for him. And Sonny Gray, the story of the season, and maybe the story of Sonny Gray's tenure, there's this part of the fan base that thinks Sonny Gray is this warrior, and he's pounding the table, and he's flipping tables, and water coolers telling Rocco, you don't pull me early, you don't do that, and that's... Really not what's happening. Sonny Gray basically is a guy who every time he gets pulled, he says what most athletes say. I felt like I could have gone a couple more innings because they're athletes. They're confident. They feel like, you know, they don't they don't want to go night after night and say, yeah, I was gassed. I'm really glad. I'm really glad I got pulled when I did. It's like when you, uh, in basketball, when you have a kid sit on the bench, most kids, there are some kids every once in a while that are like, hey, I need a breather. But most kids are like, hey, I could have played, I could have played another minute or two before you pulled me. Uh, and that's the same thing with Sonny Gray. It's taken on this weird kind of uh, uh, like folk hero narrative. I don't, I don't get it. And, and not to say that all fans are thinking that, but there's this weird part of the fan base that thinks that Sonny Gray is this career innings eater. He's always been a guy who's kind of about a six inning starter, really efficient, really good in those five or six innings. But he's not really a guy that goes seven. Eight, let alone nine innings very often. And you can see why. He's done this in his last few starts. He slowly melted down as the game goes on. And that inning, it's the thing with Sonny Gray. He had a bases-loaded walk. Again, he's had four bases-loaded walks this season. And he's had eight in his career. So half of them have come in this season. And, I mean, watching that at-bat with the bases loaded was not, not great. He walked in a run there. And then, as you heard on the call from Gladden, he had a wild pitch. 
uh, that had the insurance run score in the sixth inning. And it just wasn't a great start overall for Sonny. Sonny Gray's been a great pitcher. He's probably having his best season in years. And there just feels like there's, like, it feels like every time you can squeeze a little bit more out of him and then he just kind of implodes on himself. And it's rough to see. Uh, now, Sonny Gray's been kind of the narrative of the storyline, uh, but I think really with the Twins, it was runners in scoring position. The Twins were up 2-0, but the Twins have put together some really, really good at-bats against Logan Gilbert. He was the starter for Seattle, one of the better starters in the American League, and the Twins made him throw a lot of pitches early on. They chased him after five innings, and you thought, okay, awesome. The Twins in a four-game series are going to get to turn it over to the uh, to the Seattle bullpen early, get them to use up their relievers, and, uh, you know, they did. They did do that. Uh, but also, there was a lot more on the vine that they could have got, and they left a lot of runners in scoring position. I think they were 3-for-10 with runners in scoring position. They had the bases loaded a couple times. They had runners on the corners with one out and couldn't get a run across. Lead-off doubles that didn't end up having anybody score, and you can see it. It's the Twins' first-half woes. Me and Corey Tackman will talk about this all the time uh, when Corey's in, and he'll say, you know, this Twins' offense needs... To, to string some singles together. They need to do that. And they do. I'm not saying that they don't. Uh, The Twins get a couple walks. They get a couple singles. They're missing that big hit. And I think, and again, they're spotty when it comes to how often they want to string hits together. So I'm not trying to diminish that. But it also just more, and maybe it's the cherry on top and kind of building off what he said, is they also need just that, that put away hit. In the fifth inning, even the fourth inning, the Twins kind of had a rally, and it felt like if they got like one more hit and scored another run and made it 3 nothing, and had runners on the bases, that they could knock the pitcher out earlier in the game and use more of the bullpen and kind of basically have them licking their wounds halfway through the game, and the Twins didn't. They let, they let the door open for Seattle to have a big inning. They hung a crooked number, and they pretty much just ran away and hid for the rest of the game. So as much as Sonny Gray gets fault for allowing a four-run fifth inning and then allowing a run in the fifth, uh, really, it's the runners in scoring position. Uh, Outside of a three-run home run late by Max Kepler, which isn't nothing, but still, you had a chance much... er That home run by Kepler means a lot more if the Twins come through earlier in the game with runners in scoring position. They did take some good at-bats. They just weren't able to cash in. Uh, and that's the thing that's eluded the Twins all season long, and even last season, and even going back to 2021, they just cannot get hits with runners in scoring position. Let's see what Rocco thinks, though, about the lineup. And about Gilbert, and about how the Twins put together some at-bats against him. Gilbert's a good Major League starter. He's got really good stuff, and um, I was very pleased with what we did off of him. And, uh, you know, we took a lot of tough pitches. We forced him to, I, I don't want to say we tired him out, but we, we made him really uh, have to work hard to get through his, his outing. But we had opportunities to just score more runs, you know, and, and uh, you got to take advantage of those opportunities uh, when you have them. We had a, a handful of them today that we, um, you know, we, we just didn't get that job done. We set him up, but we didn't knock him down as many times as we needed to today. Overall, we had good at-bats today, though. I mean, the the at-bats were very solid. The Twins were able to set the table, per se, but they weren't able to eat. They did all the work of getting the table set. They put the plates, the silverware, the cups on, and they got the food on the table. And when it was time to eat, uh, they uh, accidentally pulled the tablecloth and uh, made everything fall on the floor. 
That's maybe the best I got. Uh, in Vikings news, uh, Justin Jefferson got a 99 overall rating on Madden. Uh, awesome. That's the highest rating you can get. I'm not much of a Madden guy. I'm not like huge on the video game. I actually think it's just basically paying 70 bucks every year for a roster update, but the graphics aren't good. The gameplay's not great. I, I don't know. I'm 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 a very harsh critic of Madden. A lot of people don't care, and that's fine too as well. Uh, but Justin Jefferson getting 99 overall is still pretty cool because that does not happen very often. You have to be pretty darn good. There's only one wide receiver in the NFL with a 99 overall rating, and it is JJ. He also got props from Randy Moss yesterday for getting the 99 overall achievement. Randy Moss on Twitter congratulating the young Vikings wide receiver. And there was an interesting thing that uh, a couple interesting notes from Jefferson yesterday on Twitter. Jefferson said, you know, as a kid, I always used to play Madden and you do what every kid does. You create a player as yourself and then you make them 99 overall, so that way you can be really good and dominate. And Jefferson's like, now I don't have to. I can just play the game and don't have to worry about it at all, which is a pretty cool thing. Uh, there was also another interaction uh, yesterday on Twitter with Jefferson because, of course, there's a lot of people on Twitter who he gets a 99 overall, and because it's social media, everybody's got an opinion, and most opinions are wrong when it comes to this, uh, when they say that uh, Jefferson wasn't that good. You know, he, he shouldn't have been the 99 overall guy. And Jefferson said, it's crazy how much people hate on seeing other people succeed. He says, it baffles me. And some guy with a uh, Milwaukee Bucks a profile picture, which means to believe he's probably a Packer fan, said, post your stats from the Packer game in week 17. And Jefferson commented, post yours, flunky, which is <laughs> really funny because everybody loves the smack talk athletes until they're like, okay, man, like you want to you wanna play? What would you have done? And they go, oh, uh, I, I was just kidding. I was just, uh... anyway, that's kind of funny. Uh, so the quarterback episode four mind games. I watched that yesterday with my wife. We uh, have been getting into the series and, and, uh, talking about it and, uh, kind of watching one a day. And I know they're all out. You can watch them all at once, but I've been kind of going once a day, kind of, uh, kind of little, uh, not in a little delayed gratification. There's the word I'm looking for. Uh, mind games. It talks about how smart a quarterback has to be and what the things they have to see on the field. And they just open the episode, uh, with Kirk Cousins saying, you know, when I was in high school and I was in college, there were guys who said, you know, man, glad I don't have to worry about school because I'm such a really good football player. And Kirk is like, eh, to be a really good football player, you have to be smart and to succeed at the NFL stage or at the college football stage, you know, pure talent can only get you so far. You have to have a little bit of a head up on your shoulders. And then also starts out with Mahomes, Mariota, and Cousins, the three quarterbacks that they follow on this quarterback documentary on Netflix, produced by Peyton Manning, of all people, uh, is just them reading plays. And they're these long sentences of just words that don't mean anything without context. And... Uh, how what the plays are and my wife looks at me and she said well don't you think that people are worried that uh, their plays will be out like everybody will know what their play calls are and I'll say yeah but uh, one they change them up every year and two that play can mean five different things once you get to the line of scrimmage and depending on who you're playing and sometimes you do say like three plays in the huddle and then the quarterback will come in and say all right we're doing this play because I see the defense is doing this which just goes to show how smart a quarterback has to be. Patrick Mahomes was talking about how he was getting ready to play the Los Angeles Chargers, and he said, 
And in this like week seven, week eight, it's the middle of the season. And he's like, I think I've seen every single Chargers game so far this year twice. Like he's just been watching all of this game tape, trying to prepare uh, for a team. And you watch a whole, you do a whole bunch of studying. Kirk Cousins said, you know, you act like as an athlete that you don't have to worry about school, but every single week I'm preparing for a final exam which is my opponent, and and it's a really fascinating look at that and all the things that they do to memorize plays. Like Kirk is recording plays on his phone and then just playing them back to himself as he's driving home from the facility. It's it's really cool to see how all of this uh, kind of goes into it. It's really fun. Uh, one last thing I want to mention, the Minnesota Basketball Pro-Am is in the Twin Cities, and it's been making kind of the highlights because Paige Beckers, the UConn women's basketball star, uh, has been down there, of course, from Hopkins. There have also been a couple other Minnesota natives like Tyus Jones of Apple Valley, former Minnesota Timberwolf, played for Duke, won a national title with them in 2015, uh, also uh, on the Grizzlies, now playing for the Washington Wizards, but he was also there as well, playing in the Pro-Am, professional and amateur players, just basically playing a lot of basketball with each other. And uh, the interesting thing was that Paige Beckers was actually coaching for part of the game for one team. She was sitting there on the sidelines talking to these dudes like, hey, you do this, you do that, like I'm drawing up a play here. And uh, it's really cool getting to see all these Minnesota basketball players because Minnesota is the state of hockey, but there's a big basketball culture in the state uh, that really is fun to see kind of get revealed to the national audience and get to see. Paige Becker has talked about playing at the barn uh, because UConn is scheduled to come to Minnesota, I think either this year or the next coming year. And she talked about getting to play in the barn, a place where she's played so many times before in high school is going to be really fun. And of course she said that while wearing a Lynx jersey, which... Hey, if the Lynx want to tank for Paige Beckers, let's do this thing. Because uh, they're not doing, uh, I mean, they're doing better, but not uh, doing too hot. They have their first game back from the All-Star break tonight. We'll see how that goes. This has been the Morning Sports Desk for Tuesday, July 18th.